Herbert is being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught. Touchdown, Keenan Allen. What a grab. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's the Warrior spirit right there, boy. Huge sack by Joey Bosa. 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard touchdown. It's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Knighton. Touchdown, Chargers! That's the greatest throw I've ever seen. Yeah, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Thunderdown Under Chargers podcast. I'm Andy Prophet, and I'm chatting with my good mate, Alistair Lloyd. What's going on, man? How you doing? We're in the dumb days. I've, uh, for the YouTube uh, watchers, uh, I'm not wearing any Chargers apparel tonight. It is off. Uh, I know we've got lots of audio listeners to you, so you can just imagine I'm wearing a pathetic little, uh, almost a Christmassy knit. And uh, I don't know, I need something to talk about and make myself feel better because we are back, Andy. We're back to doing weekly chats about Chargers losses and we appreciate all of you who are listening because it's not easy, but we'll try to make it fun. Yeah, it's breaking It's breaking the habit of me trying not to drink during the week because that, that really helps me get through this and reliving it. Uh, so thank you all for listening to us talk about it because you're reliving it through us as well. So there you go. Uh, let's get straight into it, man. Um, another just... Finding another way to lose, hey? Baltimore Ravens 20, Los Angeles Chargers 10. And man, when when will this team play as a whole unit and fire on more than one and a half cylinders? The defense commendable, restricting Baltimore seven points less than their season average. Still surrendered 360 odd total yards and some crucial missed assignments, but it was better than it has been of late. Offense looked like it was stepping up to the challenge early on. A wondrous non-call on the hit uh, on Herbert at the six-yard line, and then finding a um, un- or a personal foul in the uh, in the melee following, it really seemed to suck all the air out of what Kellen Mora decided to cook up for Sunday night football. Four total turnovers by the offense, providing enough chances for the Ravens to do what they had to do to head into the by nine and three, and the Chargers well four and seven. And real sad areas heading over to Gillette Stadium to play New England next week. All right, Ali Boy, what are your thoughts on this one, man? Continuing the theme without Jack with us, until he comes back, I have to start each show with something Jack-inspired, non-stats, non-data. Listeners, tell me what this uh, what this trailer reminds you of. It's from a movie uh, that came out in 1993, about 30 years ago. Tell me when you know what I'm talking about. Weatherman Phil Connors is spending the day in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Phil's about to find out he's not just stuck in Punxsutawney, he's stuck in Groundhog Day. At first, he was a little anxious, but now he's discovering the possibilities and living life like there's no tomorrow, because there isn't. Welcome to Groundhog Day. TDU crew because I just can't believe that I keep watching the same thing over and over again. And Daniel Popper from The Athletic put it nicely. 
The Chargers have possessed the ball while trailing by one score in the fourth quarter of eight games this season. They're 1-7 in those games, and they're 0-5 in games decided by three points or less. And what's the common theme we're talking about today, Andy? It is failure to pick up the blitz in a critical must-have-it situation with the ball in Herbert's hands. It happened in week one against Miami, fourth down, Fangio blitzes, Herbert sacked. It happened in week two against the Titans, third down, couldn't pick up Landry on a stunt, Herbert sacked. Week six against Dallas, overload blitz, Parsons sacks Herbert, interception the next play. Last week, Green Bay, third down, pocket collapses, Herbert sacked. And this week, it was, of course, Arthur Mallett, blitzing from the slot. Herbert said he saw it. He knew it was coming. He had tools in his armory available if he wanted to. You can slide the protection. You can change the play. But he decided, no, I'm hot, so I need to buy time and get it out to Keenan. Get it out. He did not. Falls incomplete. Charges lose again. So am I going crazy, Andy, or do I keep seeing the same shit with the same smell? Week after week after week. Tell me. Um, I just want to correct you while I get the, the brief opportunities that I do. Arthur Mallet took the interception. It was Broderick Washington with the sack late in the game. But I see your point, man. It is the – and Kellen Moore spoke about it straight after the game. Is just the horrible stuff, mishaps on in pass protection um, in two-minute drills. Um, and – not only that, but just like the habits now of, it seems like the the team has kind of <laughs> progressed. You know, last week they they couldn't catch the ball. This week they catch it, but they just sort of like, like can't hang on to it. And oh, it's IQJ still dislike. can't catch it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> save him for later. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's if it's not, you know untimely sacks it's untimely penalties it's untimely third and long completions or allowings and um yeah this really stunk a few opportunities late in that game where you know we really could have pushed we were really pushing on offense we just you know fumble here and then that sack forcing it too much makes it hard but we've just broken down the end of the game, so do we want to get back into like the, the meat of the sandwich at all? Or <laughs> You bet. Well, it was a shit sandwich, so you've got a bit bit on either side, right? It, As you said, it started off, you know, it got us all a bit excited because of, you know, m- matriculating the ball down the field, as you Yankees like to say. Looked pretty good early, um, and we were saying watching it, Andy, it's a fairly significant momentum changer when you have... Uh, look, a non-call for a late hit. And I uh, look, having watched that, everyone's watched it, it looks like it was a fairly clear and obvious penalty. Uh, we heard the referee explain after the game why it wasn't called, that the defender kind of made the move because Herbert had feigned inbounds and that as he actually went to make the tackle, Herbert was inbounds, but it was afterwards that he got hit. Sure, what you can't do is compound a bad decision with a follow-on bad decision. And Sawyer's, you know, remonstration to, to, you know, protect his quarterback was completely standard fair. And it's not like he pushed someone over. All of the players win there in a melee. If you're an experienced referee, I think that's a moment where you just say, okay, guys, break it up, break it up, break it up. You don't throw a flag that turns what is a, you know, potentially a, a touchdown drive into a third and 17 
and a field goal. And that just sucked out all of the energy, all of the good vibes, all of the momentum. 100%. Because after that, it was punt, punt, turnover, turnover, turnover to end the half. So that's a real killer of just the momentum that they they started to build. Um, like, I, I don't know. It's really hard lost to just a- sit there. <laughs> <laughs> it's really well, hard look- to sit there. Well, look, the you talk about the that obvious obvious non call. There was another one on the muff punt on Darius Davis. That's where I wanted to head. What happens yep. if that hit his leg and goes into the field of play? We, I spoke about this violently on the couch, um, watching the game. Uh, is that play on? Is that fair play? Even though he's clearly uh, interfered with him, um, just some bullshit stuff. Old chip and dip there, running a, a pretty sloppy show in the black and whites. I think. Um, and like we, we're playing a, a Ravens defense, which is formidable, right? So you you just need some of those things to go your way. And in the end, the Chargers offense, they only scored 10 points. It's their lowest score of the season. It's actually their lowest since they scored 10 10 points against the Jags last year in week three. Herbert's only had a couple other games where the team has scored less than that. One of them was also against the Ravens back in 2021 at M&T Bank. And uh, he scored zero points against the Patriots in a 45-0 drubbing back in 2020 under Anthony Lynn. So it's a bit scary when the teams that it seems like we can't score points again are the Ravens and the Patriots. Of course, we've got them coming up this this uh, week. But it's just not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it when you have multiple fumbles. In this case, it was uh, the three. And each of those were just like terrible moments of the game after the defense had got to stop. Immediately, you're giving the ball back to the Ravens' offense because you can't hold on to the ball. Players who should know better as well. Keenan's was a bang bang play, I mm. thought. Uh, Eckler's a little bit, mm. not so much. Yeah, it's um, hard when your stars, yeah. are, when it's your three offensive superstars that are doing this sort of stuff. Or well, maybe Austin's kind of fallen out of that a little bit uh, since he returned from injury. In fact, he has fallen out of that kind of category. But yeah, it's hard when you the guys that you're relying on. Well, that clearly, you know, a few passengers on that offense are relying on to uh, get you over the line. Uh, turning the ball over. It's, it's tough stuff. And it's not like there weren't glimmers of hope all throughout on the offensive side of the ball. Because, uh, you know, having just gone through all of the tape again, thought Kellen Moore called a fairly good game. At least from a play design perspective. Guys were getting schemed open quite nicely. Now, look, it, it's clear that um, sort of Herbert's got Keenan on his mind as a one-track avenue to move the ball. You know, he was targeted 15 times in this game for the mm. 13 catches. It's not going to cut it when you had a combined nine targets of Guyton and Quentin Johnston for two catches between them and 11 yards. That is brutal. So it, that's just not going to work. But schematically, like Kellen can't do much more. You know, he he's not out there on the field. He's not the one fumbling the football. So it was just a lot of missed opportunities. And I don't know what the, the answer really is on offense other than execution, Andy, because at this stage, kind of we've spoken a bit about how they, they retained the offensive line coach from last year, Brendan Nugent, who is a, a friend of Lombardi's. Uh, they can't run the ball. They are still not pass protecting well, I thought. Herbert 
was pressured on again where that magic number is kind of 40%. You want to be less than 40%. It was 41.2% of dropbacks. So I don't know. It kind of puts you in a, in a bit of a problem where you, you can't run the ball. Your running backs aren't playing well. Your offensive linemen aren't blocking well. So maybe it's the time to talk about some changes, mate. If, can you like what can you think or point to a couple of things at all on offense you might be looking to do differently at this time of the season given where we are well i think you've got to understand that there is a ceiling on what we can achieve based on you know losing palmer and mike williams palmer for however long and we always harp on about Corey lindsley i think we just sort of need to assume for the moment that he won't be returning to football definitely not this season um so that is what it is and there's not really much depth or alternatives to kind of do what i would like to say is it was nice to see a little bit more of darius davis getting the football he had bugger all snaps but he was used a lot um but why is he used almost solely as a horizontal guy, like a lateral yeah. runner rather than a vertical. We don't have a receiver capable of taking the top off opposing defenses. I don't think Guyton has been, is that guy coming back. Um, and Herbert only really wanted to throw to him when he was in double coverage. Um, <laughs> but more sort of isn't using him that way. So uh, I'd like to see that. Just give it a go. Just see what that can, that can open up. Use him a little bit more. Um, we're not getting the screen blocking to be able to allow the twitchy little DD to, to weave his way through. Um, blocking across the whole a now thing at the minute, I don't think. Um, I'm seeing, you know, more variation in Herbert's game, using his legs a lot more. That 35-yard run was instrumental in that drive. Um, and really good. Like, he's not sliding two yards, you know, he's making sure he can get his body in position to avoid the contact or avoid the big lick um, rather than sort of sliding short and not having that awareness of where the goal line is like he was earlier in the season. Um, don't know. I like the aggressive before we get into the, like, I don't want to jump too far into the defense, but the change up of personnel there, that's, you know, that's a little adjustment. And um, it was an interesting, interesting idea to, there's real trial by fire to chuck those guys in, to those roles against Baltimore of all teams, but yeah. hey, wasn't the worst thing in the world. So I don't know. Are there any other uh, changes you'd like to see, or, or well, outcomes you could... you'd like to see as well? I mean, obviously well, you'd I'd, rather you'd I'd like love to better see outcomes, improvement in the run game. <laughs> but I don't know how uh, you're going to get it. I just don't think we've got the the depth to be able to. You know, I'm not comfortable with a positional change at this point. Well, you can make schematic changes or personnel changes, right? The schematic yeah. ones that are interesting, you know, it, it we only use play action on 19.6% of dropbacks. That's slightly low. Uh, there's still this real reluctance to run out of the center, under the center. I still think that is a really important part of marrying your passing game with your running game. It is like a lot of shotgun runs where, you know, the, the running backs who are already not blessed with speed aren't able to build up speed and you're not really getting your linemen out in space you know running running a fair bit of gap gap scheme with the occasional outside zone that worked the couple of times they did that they had a nice designed almost like a almost like a toss but a sweep where Eckler ran all the way to the left it would have been to the kind of the bottom of the screen early in the game where they 
ran for a first down. So schematically, I'm not really sure. They're the kind of two main ones, a bit more play action, a bit more under center running game. And then personnel-wise, it's probably time to get Xander Horvath activated off the practice squad, I would have thought, to kind of mix that up. They've gone away from Jordan McFadden, but why not try other alternatives if you're not going to make Isaiah Spiller active? Mm. And then, yeah. look, Ke- Kev Diego has made suggestions about what to do on the offensive line. I think the the Jamari Sawyer at guard experiment was kind of cute last year at left tackle. And then at, at guard, he's, he's been below average all year. And Pipkins is struggling quite often against pass rushes. So, like, if you really wanted to get desperate to change things up, because it's four games in a row where Herbert's been under fire, you could make a move where you go, you know what, Sawley goes out to right tackle, Pipkins, you're on the bench, we're going to try something different, we're going to go with Zach Bailey uh, or McFadden himself in as a guard and see if we can get a different five. It is absurd to have essentially the same healthy starting O-line all year. So many teams would like give their right testicle to have that kind of continuity along the line. And nevertheless, we've had middling to below average results. So I don't know. There are a couple of things that occurred to me, but in the meantime, Herbert's just gone stuff this. If this is what I'm being dealt, I'm going to start running. And as I've tried to, to demonstrate on, on TDU film on Twitter this afternoon, there's a bit more bailing of clean pockets that we're seeing which means you're missing opportunities to hit some of those other guys because he ain't waiting. He's he's thinking, I'm out of here. I'm going to take off with my legs. Yeah. Yeah. There's the, I was just about to follow up by saying there's those trust. He has those trust issues where he thinks the pocket's going to break down, even if it holds ends up sort of creating at times more trouble for himself and limits his field, which is odd, but it, it really does. So, but yeah, look, he's using his legs more. So it's that, yin and yang, I guess, of that situation. But look, once again, I guess it sort of falls back on the, just the direction that the team goes with building that that kind of depth. Like you and I, during the week, or even maybe just before the game, we were talking about Morgan Moses and just like a a pretty cheap investment. What was it? Two years, 10 mil, five mil a year. And he's playing, what was he? Top four tackle somewhere, somewhere like that in the league. And we've got Trey Pipkins. And it's it, and then th- three other young guys, and uh, now injured and average backup center. So it, um, if you want your your prime franchise quarterback that you're paying the third highest player in the league, protect the guy. Actually, like make sure he plays. On that, wasn't it funny when? Sorry, when he came out of the game, I think in the third quarter, and the Chargers were about to go, and he just burst back out through the the blue ten. He was like, "No, Easton, down!" <laughs> Amazing, Amazing. They're supposedly good friends, but Herbert would would rather lose a, a a sibling or a relative than have him take some of his starting snaps. It's good to see him having that fire in the belly. I think. Yeah, you're not yeah. ready. You're not ready. But you're right. You were right when you said the way that Darius Davis is being used, kind of vis-a-vis Quentin Johnston. It's almost like you'd prefer mm. to flip them because Quentin Johnston's kind of your clear-out yeah. guy. He's running so many streaks or posts down the field, and you've got Davis almost like as a bubble screen end around specific character. And I just, I don't know, make the defense prepare for something a little different. If they saw Darius Davis lining up at the X, running go routes, and kind of 
QJ in the slot where, again, he played zero snaps. I've been asking for him to play in the slot for about five weeks now. Just mix it up. So I think yeah. Callum Moy is just as kind of lacks some of the same creativity or feel for changing things up as Brandon Staley did before this week. But this week it all it all changed a bit. Do you think that deep down Kellen Moore could be just as stubborn as Brandon Staley, but on the other side of the ball? Yeah, well, perhaps, perhaps, because there there has not been any kind of great uh, rush to 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 do some to do different things, and it's a fine line because when you're in all of these one score games, it is. It's somewhat easy to convince yourself that it, you're getting the wrong side of variance, bad luck, as it as it were. Mm. When your team has a positive point differential, despite a four and seven record, you can be forgiven perhaps for thinking we're we're very close here. Tweak a couple yeah. of things. It's execution. It's not scheme. Because if you're scheme, we'd be losing by twenty one points every week. And you know, maybe yeah. Herbert and how good he is is lulling everyone into a false sense of security. Because when your quarterback's Justin Herbert, you ain't going to lose games by three touchdowns plus. It's just not going to happen. He's too good. Yeah. But isn't it so charges that, like, of course, injuries happen to every team, but it's so charges that we're limited to what we can sort of tweak and change because as per, we've got key wide receivers missing for most of the year. And then on the other side, there's disasters because, I mean, look, you can't really blame... Telesco for the JC Jackson fiasco, but it's just so charges that that happens to us. And we like, you know, break the bank on this marquee signing. And then he's just crap. It's just, these cliches just really starting to grind my gears. When I see the charges as subjects of memes that I feel the jets should be, I start getting pissed off at social media. I'm usually pretty cool about it, but it's where we belong. I'm <laughs> afraid. And it- yeah, I know. And Ben Solak from uh, The Ringer wrote a, a nice article overnight, kind of just setting out how everything went wrong. The clear one is that, you know, you hire a defensive coach in the defense that can't even get to average. I mean, that's always going to put you behind the eight ball. But then Kyle is always talking about it with us, all the other people on bolts from the blue. You know, when when you're getting picks consistently wrong and your process wrong, so you're taking running backs in the fourth round instead of later in the draft and you're refusing to ever trade down it what it means is you better have an extraordinary hit rate because basically every post needs to be a winner and this last draft class is looking like um it's looking like one of the worst at the moment with the exception of Tooley, who's been phenomenal really Mm. no one else is giving this team anything in an all in all or nothing type of season so it's just a fail uh, all across the organization Really agree with you. We'll transition well because I think a linebacker that was taken in that draft should be, we, we speak about it every week, he should just be featuring more, especially with the struggles those guys are having. Uh, I did actually want to say before we move on to the defense, I thought there were a few uh, interesting coaching decisions or, or non-decisions. Uh, I thought the game management on the whole was pretty poor using timeouts on that first defensive play of the game for having 12 men on the field. That shit me to tears. Bad look. Real bad look. Um, Maybe understand near the goal line at the top of the second quarter, but also the awareness when we debated this as well, having the awareness to not allow that delay of the game penalty at the end of the third quarter 
we managed to get the first down, but it's a bit of a momentum sort of stuffer as well. And that extra play on that series was the clowny strip sack. So mm. just for where it was, um, I just wanted to touch on those things as I, you know, we all look at critiquing Staley for, and that's not just a targeted assault, but we all critique Staley for the defense, but also, you know, just another sort of area of mismanagement. Um, unfortunate we went one of three on fourth downs too. All right, onto the defense, dude. Where do you want to start? Well, of course, it was their best performance of the year, wasn't it? When the offense does be. something like that, of course. Of course, they're going to come out and keep a team that scored 30 points five times to, you know, really, you could say 13 or 16 points it should have been because most players in Zay Flowers' position would take a knee and not run into the end zone there, as Jason Garrett was saying. No mass, no more. Uh, but, it, look, good on Staley in a sense. Like, this is a, a game that was kind of the end of the season, the fact that they lost. And in that game, with that kind of importance to it on Sunday Night Football, you're running out Dean Leonard and Essang Bassi and Jalen Hawkins. And you know what? They came out and completely rewarded you. They, mm. It's not like on an individual level they didn't have some poor moments. Dean Leonard was picked on. It was incredible it was. that the, the Ravens targeted him 10 times and uh, the next most targets was four to Eric Kendricks. So yeah. their whole game plan was like, let's pick on 33, the seventh round pick. I thought his uh, intent was pretty good. Like he he was quick to trigger when he recognized a screen. He, he wasn't perfect, but he wasn't a liability either. And this was the game that's kind of clearly the best alignment, as Brandon Staley likes to say, connectivity between your pass rush and your coverage. The rushes were awesome. They got 24 pressures. They really hemmed in Lamar Jackson. And on the back end, there was much stickier coverage than we've seen in every game. And the cushions were softer. Sorry, less soft. The cushions were much less soft. I know you couldn't be any softer than the last. <laughs> Whoop. Uh, like any further, your free safety will need binoculars to see the line of scrimmage. He may as well be sitting in the fucking stands, kind of topping up his his um, beer and his popcorn. But in this game, they they played a much tighter style of coverage. Most of the time, they played a lot of single high, so that second safety was crashing down into the box. And on the outside, they really played more press man than in any other game. So hopefully that is kind of the start of what we'll see for the rest of the season. Probably too little, too late. But, I mean, were you surprised that the... Chargers played the way they did, like with all those scrubs on the field? Yeah, I was going to say, like, I was surprised uh, with who was benched and who started, but I was, like, quite really imp impressed. I don't actually know if the the guys who missed out would have done a better job, to be honest, because you're right. First of all, no penalties on defense, not too bad. And secondly, two pass breakups and four forced, uh, forced incompletions. One pass play allowed over 20 yards, only four missed tackles. And yeah, by a bunch of guys who you described as scrubs and bums uh, on the couch, not too shabby. Really not impressed. I thought, it was, I thought it was great. It was good watching. We do need some better play from our linebacking group, though, across the, yeah. uh, the... I think that's the... Probably like the heart and soul of that connectivity between the coverage and what the line's doing. And I think that they're either concentrating too much on what other people are doing or not doing the because they're not doing the right job themselves. Kenny Murray 
Um, I'll leave a little diatribe over to you. I'm <laughs> sure you've got one teed up for him. Um, but Kendrick showed some flashes. Murray's just gone missing again, I think. Um, yep. Yep. He had, yeah. a, he had a good October and he's having he had a, uh, a pitiful November. And he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year and he's... He's not doing himself any any um any service, that's for sure. And agree, I like I might mean, be two charges that have cut their uh, their next pay date a little um short of what they wanted. Yeah, there'd be a few kind of vying for that. One who hasn't would be Aloe Gilman. I've got to say, like mm. the communication really shone through. There was much better communication uh, on the coaches' film. You can see it. There's there there's kind of direct directional voice and pointing, but not in a who's got him and who's got this guy sense. It, it was very clear and direct. It's mainly Gilman who does a lot of that pointing. And though the linebackers, I feel like Kendricks has lost a step or maybe multiple steps in coverage. At the moment, he's still a very useful run defending linebacker. Murray at the moment is doing neither of the two things well. Uh, he he consistently kind of goes, shoots the wrong gap or gets uh, sucked in by eye candy uh, or it's just too easily pushed off the line by offensive linemen when he's out in space. And I will be, uh, I won't be stunned, but I will be highly critical if Henley doesn't get snaps in this New England game because that was, as you mm. said, that was really the only weakness of the football team on defense on the weekend, and yet they were the only two linebackers who saw the field. So it's it's really time to to change something. I think. Um, well, just it's going to be it's going to be huge for an opponent. It's going to be incredibly important to have an athletic linebacker that can, you know, attack the the ball carrier in the run game and fly around in coverage against a team that will lean on their run game a lot and. Only will really just want to kind of throw the ball into the intermediate and pick away it that way. So, hundred percent, I agree with you. I'll be pissed off too, man. I want to see that guy yeah. on the damn field. Yeah, and I like I I was surprised that Derwin didn't play the way they said he would play. There was a lot of talk about Derwin's the star now, so okay, he's in the slot, and. He, he was he really played all over the place. He played 27 snaps at free safety, 20 in the slot and 20 in the box. But they actually used Bassey out of the slot much more frequently. Hmm. But, I mean, that's okay. I mean, Derwin didn't have a strong impact per se. I still think his utilization is somehow, you know, it's not producing what you'd expect from an all-pro safety. But between the, like, the thing I think I was most impressed about in this game is Lamar has been one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. And in this game, we kept the Ravens to four of 13 on third down. Huge win, however you look at it. And, of course, Lamar's great threat is what he can do, his escapability on the ground. And he had the 11 carries for 39 yards, 3.5 a pop. So if you told me that heading into the game, you know, Lamar's going to have 177 passing yards. He's barely going to get any on the ground. They're going to go, you know, four of 13 on third down. Winning. There was a winning formula on defense. Their, their most complete game of the too. year. A fourth down stop and a handy missed field goal. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's just, it's so, it's it's great to see those things. And, you know, you never want to support for f failure. And you, if, even if you want the coach fired, you still don't want your fucking team to lose. It's just so frustrating seeing half of them play and the other half just sort of trip over their own feet. What can you do? What can you do? We also got a bit of luck, which is 
you know, you've got to capitalize it. I thought John Harbour did us a massive favor opting to shoot for a field goal on fourth and one when the Ravens were up by three points late in the game in the fourth quarter. Justin Tucker, I had a look. So he misses from 44 yards. That was his first from that distance this year. And only the 12th miss from the 40 to 49 range in his career from 116 attempts. So you get one of those from Justin Tucker once per season. And he did it. You know, Harbour makes a bad decision trying to make the margin six points when they could have almost ended the game there. And then the field goal kicker misses and you give it back to Herbert down three points. I mean, that was it. That was the season right there. They had the chance. And again, they just couldn't seize the moment. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, anything else further on defense? Anything with the Khalil Mack? We've got to give a huge shout out. Does that guy ever stop? He's, he is an animal. He covers some incredible ground. Tied third in the league now with 13 sacks on the season. Had a 44% win rate in true pass rush sets. So just Ooh. super dom- dominant. Little shout out to Johnson Tooley and Morgan Fox worked hard as well. I won't say any of them had super great games. Um, but there's a lot of work ahead of um, Tooley holding up the uh, other edge without Bosa in the team. Um, but yeah, he played against a couple of decent tackles. So he struggled a little bit with um, Ronnie Stanley. You know, be you, too did, easiest to get by. Did you see uh, some some criticism was directed Joey Bose's way? They shot to him and he was sitting up in the in the box. I don't know, he was eating nuts or popcorn or something like that. And uh, he just kind of begged the question why he wasn't on the sideline with his teammates. Uh, I I didn't see the criticism. I saw a brief image of it. I don't give a shit. He's, you know, got a foot sprain. Maybe, like, it's inconvenient for him to be on crutches down at the sideline. He'd have He's to just get enjoying the, the amenities of SoFi Stadium, right? He's just enjoying the home stadium. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, just sitting on the, the comfy seats for once. Uh, no, I didn't think too much of it, to be fair. What did you think of the run defense, man? Because, you know, we started up until a couple of weeks ago, it was pretty good. And it feels like since that, uh, Detroit game, well, that was a bit of a scare last week, not nothing too shabby. And then, you know, 197 yards for the Ravens on, I don't know, six yeah. 30 odd, 30 odd attempts. It was up and down. They, they had a few stops when they needed to, they, I mean, part of that figure is inflated by the Zay Flowers play. You're right. yep. even, even if you even if you exclude that, they're still going at about four and a half, or at least or almost five a carry. Uh, it was clearly Keaton Mitchell, wasn't it? Wasn't I it? felt like Gus Edwards and Justice Hill and Lamar they they were okay. Keaton Mitchell's a very talented outside runner, and Fast. that has been a weakness all year. Uh, they thankfully they didn't let off any kind of major explosive run but it was enough to keep the chains moving. And I agree. Like they didn't have a, yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. They didn't have a strong, they didn't have a strong performance on run run defense. I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. Mm. It was annoying for me to see, I think, uh, you know, Mac forcing the, it was one of those games you're right, where it's just the variance and things not going your way, you know, the strip sack and not being able to recover. Whereas it seems like they tackled a guy and the ball would fly out of our possession. We were, the Chargers were plus nine in turnover differential following the Jets game. Since then, minus six. 
uh, in the three straight losses, four turnovers on the day. It was good to see, though, that we only allowed three points from those doing uh, Ravens possessions. So I guess that's just a little bit more of a fluff up for the defense. But, you know, it was, it was good to see. Um, but, yeah, just interesting to note that we've now we've gone from, like, first in the league for turnover differential down to 11th. Um, and it's, you know... I think we'll get into it pretty soon, but there might just be a little bit of an opportunity for the Chargers to get a few more positives in week 13. Anything further for you? Well, let's move on to our delightful awards. You up first, mate, with your Nayer. My Nayer this week goes to an unsung hero. His name is Gerald Everett. I love... I love watching love the big dog guy. play. I like, the, I like him a lot. I like him a lot. Four catches, 43 yards, touchdown. And didn't that touchdown come at a very exciting moment in the game where we, you could just convince yourself that we're about to win and it kind of just went, the old heave-ho, you ain't stopping me. And the nah, yeah, aspect of this is I've got to give credit to my my uh, humble host here. He said, you know, it's almost like the moment that Gerald Everett had that unspeakable stuff up against the Chiefs at Arrowhead. He's just said to himself, never again. And since then, I've lost count of the number number of missed tackles he's forced. And he's got safe hands. He does smart stuff. Uh, I really like him. So good on you, Gerald Everett. You're the uh, you're the Nye Award for this week. Praised. And unfortunate it didn't pan out, but him dropping the Ray Lewis dance after his touchdown was yep. – I really enjoyed it. It just looked like shit because we, we lost that one. But – uh, all right. Yeah, nah, for me, uh, we did have Kyle on the show last week and we didn't get to squeeze these in around all the spreadsheets. Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure that, well, you had the yeah, nah last week and I'm sure you had this bullet in the chamber ready to fire off. So mine is in part, I hope retrospective, but also relevant for this week. Quentin Johnson, <laughs> you dropped the game against Green Bay, brother. And then you, you were gifted an opportunity to hush the critics. You drop another chance on second and 12 in the third quarter. You get a little bit banged up. You go out of the game. You go into the tent. You get cleared. You stand on the sideline with your helmet with all your wide receiver friends. And the coach puts Alex Erickson in for 34 snaps. And you don't go back into the game. You fail to generate separation you fail to use your your body size and your strength and your hands to catch the football and we spent a first round pick on you so a big nah there is no yeah other than acknowledging that we we drafted him where we did uh but very disappointing um output from quinton johnson so I don't know. I was stealing words out of your mouth, I hope, from last week if you had him, but surely, surely you did. All right, moving on. Week 13, Patriots getting into the game. Keenan Allen is out of training with a quadriceps issue. I'm hoping it's just like veteran precaution stuff and he's going to be fine because, oh, God damn, we're in a, a world of trouble if we don't. Uh, there was a little bit of angst. Al, I think you know more of the sort of the dialogue between the between Staley and you know being asked about. Uh, you want to take take that off my hands about QJ? Yeah, 
Yeah, I don't know if it's a bit of much ado about nothing. It, look, Staley's just he now in the He was just getting gun, fired so. up again, wasn't he? So he's just... Yeah. We, I thought his he post-game was. was pretty relaxed. He was upset, but now he's just like answering a question with, okay. It was the next day. It was 24 hours later with the... Um, it's not recorded. It's not... You don't get the video of this, but you see the written transcript pop up on charges.com. So it's essentially, it's the morning after the reporters get a chance to ask him some questions in the cold light of day. And... Uh, they were really focusing on, you know, was QJ ruled out due to injury or was it a coaching decision? And of course, the real answer is it's a combination. It's a hybrid, right? It's yeah. the guy just dropped a catch, has sore ribs, had to go in the tent. Do I want to put this guy back out when he's probably now got sore ribs and already can't catch? No, I don't. I think that's natural. Staley, as is sometimes his want, tried to kind of have it a bit of both ways. Uh, the, the reporters were kind of focusing in on potential inconsistencies. And one of them was saying, you know, I don't want to belabor the point. And he said, well, you are belaboring the point. Uh, yeah. He hurt his That's ribs. It means he couldn't breathe. Wide receivers need to breathe to play football. And <laughs> he needs skills to said. swim. That's right. And, and like, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I'm not critical of like any response Staley gave factually. Um, because you also like, it's a, it's a hard one. You don't want to slam your player either. You kind of say, yes, he had sore ribs and the overall flow of the game. He was happy he thought, to slam the defense last week, wasn't he? That's true. He usually doesn't mind. Um, and he was quick to praise his defense as well. I thought we executed for four quarters. Uh, yes, but He's running out of time, Brandon Staley. On our next show, we could be talking about a firing. Who knows? But that feels like, you know, it's probably been a few weeks now that it feels like the moments, moments passed and he's in serious jeopardy. But they missed a chance to kind of give some breathing space. And now we're do or die against the New England Patriots. Basically, from a mathematical perspective, if you lose, it's virtually impossible to make the playoffs, even though it's close to impossible right now. Yeah, I think we're at 11.8% to make the playoffs. As we stand, do you, I don't, I don't really want to like get into a huge long winded conversation about, uh, again, about the, the situational sort of firing or expiration of Staley's tenure. But do you think even like it's, it, we can all sort of see from the outside looking in that it, we're probably not going to make the playoffs. And even if we do like we might tickle an opposition team. At best, I just don't think we've we've got the legs to get that that far into it. No. Do you think the the decision would be made already? They'd go, okay, we see what it is. Where, like, I just don't. It's not the charges to fire a coach in season. What does it? What does it achieve? What are the benefits of uh, firing the coach in now? Yeah, I think you'd only do it if you're really interested in trial running any of the other internal guys. I don't think they care, the Spanos family, too much about the perception, so to speak. It doesn't really bother them. Uh, look, if the Chargers win this week against the Pats, I think it's highly unlikely he gets fired before the end of the season. If they lose to the Pats this week, I think it's a real kind of toss of the coin. I, I could see... Really? Dean, yeah, I do. I could see Dean Spanos and them saying, look... They've lost three in a row now. If they lose four in a row and they're basically eliminated, let's cut bait and that's that's it. At least we can make a head start on, you know, planning Looking. and interviewing and all that. So I do think his job is really on the line this week, but I don't think he'll get fired if they win. Yeah. Well, we've spoken about one potential suitor in Jim Harbour previously on the show. There's another like hot 
uh, hot name on the rumor mill and he coaches the team that we're playing this week. What would you rather do, Al, before we jump into uh, the, the look ahead of the Patriots? Watch the Jets-Giants game again or the Giants-Patriots game again? Jeez, I don't know what I've done in a previous life, I swear to God, or what any of us have done. It, it's unwatchable, unspeakable football. Anything to do with the Giants or the Jets or the Patriots on offense, that oh, it's just absolute snooze fest stuff going on on the east coast of the country. <laughs> it gets worse as the weather kind of sets in in the US and um, th- that time of year now, right? You've got to combat and confront the wind and the cold and the sleet. Because as we step into summer tomorrow... You guys up north, step into winter. Uh, so, natural segue. So, I um, I had to watch the game. And uh, Giants versus Patriots at the Meadowlands. Giants 10, Patriots 7 was the final score. So, the Pats fall to 2-9 and nine on the season. Their only wins have come against the Jets in Week 3 and the Buffalo Bills in Week 7, which was a surprise. Uh, they've lost four on the trot. They have this kind of quarterback carousel going on where Mac Jones just is playing the worst football you'll ever likely to see. He throws two <laughs> interceptions. He also loses a fumble on a sack. He's benched at halftime. Then old Bailey Zappi comes in. He has 54 yards in the second half, also throws a pick. Hopeless quarterback play all around. Uh, on the other side of the ball... Jalen Hyatt looked very good. He was kind of the one highlight of this game, I thought. Um, I cannot believe how frequently the Pats run variations of tunnel screens, smoke screens, wide receiver screens, running back screens. It's it's fucking 50% of their offense. It's incredible to watch. It's all they do. They don't have any other real options. So, I don't know. It, It was a very boring game. Uh, there was a chance for New England to win late, so the yeah. Giants were kind of up by, yeah, yeah, to, sorry, to, yeah, to tie it up or to win, um, and they again, I don't know, like at this point when your record's this bad, I don't know why Belichick opted for a field goal to send the game into overtime, but he did, and their field Belichick. goal kicker, he uh, he misses the thirty-five yard field goal to lose, so ten and seven, and then the other day, of course, Belichick was asked, well. Who's going to play quarterback this week, Bill? Because you've got Mac Jones, who can't hit the side of a barn. You've got Bailey Zappi. You've got an undrafted free agent, Malik Cunningham. And, of course, Bill said, oh, yeah, I'm not going to make any announcements on a lineup in any position. It doesn't matter what the position is. We'll see how it goes this week. Uh, I'm not prepared to make an announcement, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and I, say, I thought, yes, okay, Bill, true to form. He, he is who he yeah. is. He is who he is. And so I don't know who's going to be that quarterback. So Brandon Staley was saying he's preparing for all three to play. And uh, we'll find out later on in the week. But that was the tail of the tape. Uh, Pats go down again against the Giants at the Meadowlands. Yeah, not great. It's hard to look for the the rose in all the thorns of this team, just to sort of know what you're up against. But the run defense of this Patriots team is top 10 in yards allowed per game. Predominantly, though, from a lot of the efforts of their second-level players. Uh, so it hasn't been too great from their line. Um, but, you know, Jabil Peppers comes downhill pretty hard. Is that sort of Jamal Adams of the Patriots. On the other side of the ball, the running game, we talk about how crap the, the passing game is, but their running game has been what they've lent on a lot this year. It's strong behind center David Andrews, and Trent Brown, when he's healthy, is also a good run-blocking um, tackle. 
But uh, Stevenson and Zeke Elliott, they share the bulk of the runs and the duties. And all the touchdowns between the two of them, they're both averaging about four yards a carry and have 17 explosive runs, so runs of over 10 yards between the two of them. So, you know, I deliberately sort of asked that question about where the the run defense is is going because, yeah, we're really going to be tested, I think, a little bit. They're they're good, uh, well-balanced runners. Um, You know, Zeke doesn't have to do too much so he doesn't get too burnt out, but... Other than that, uh, I think the rest of them lie in your column of the duties, mate. <laughs> I just want to give a shout out to Christian Barmore, though, actually, the defensive tackle. He's he's impressed me quite a bit. Of course, Bill gets him from Alabama and Nick Saban and his friend. and rah, rah. So they're, they're like, these are your Belichick <laughs> style of players. Why are you like using bent- your pillow talk voice uh, to imitate Belichick? <laughs> oh, oh, come on. Hey, hey. How do you know about that voice? How do you know about it? Um, Yeah, they're a tough, they're a tough, you know, typical hard nose, run the ball, defend the run style Belichick football team. Their weaknesses, though, are as plain as the nose on my face. 31st in offense for points scored. Uh, They've only scored over 20 points twice for the entire season. We've spoken to the quarterback play. I mean, Mac Jones has 10 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. Zappy, zero touchdowns to two interceptions. The real problem lies at the receiver position. So um, their two best receiving options look like they're out injured. Demario Douglas, who uh, was knocked out on a special teams play against the Giants. So he's had 410 yards on the year. He goal. I don't think he'll get up through the concussion protocol. Ken... Uh, Kendrick Bourne as well. He's on IR. So you're looking at Tyquan Thornton, who's a second-round bust, Juju Smith-Schuster, who's ineffective, Devontae Parker, who has capability but is mostly ineffective, and then Kayshawn Butte, the rookie from LSU, who hasn't done very much of anything. So the receiver position is a weakness. I also think now that they they have Christian Gonzalez out on IR, uh, and they cut Jack Jones for misbehavior, essentially. Their outside cornerback room struggles. Of course, it's the revenge game, yeah? It's JC Jackson. Yes. Like, on the one hand, that could oh, be a, it could be a competitive disadvantage because he can share all of our coverage rules with uh, uh, the coaching staff there, except he didn't know any of the coverage rules anyway. So it's probably not much, <laughs> probably not much of an advantage. But... He, he gave up um, seven catches from eight targets last week against the Giants for 107 yards. And Dylan Hyatt made him look like a, like a gnome. To be fair, Hyatt probably has the speed to make a lot of guys look like that. But for someone who's already not blessed with pace um, or a fully functional knee, that really showed up uh, on the on the tape. Or brain, or clean rap sheet, the clean criminal record, or clean, you know, alimony payments trail. He's missing a few things at the minute, JC Jackson, and hopefully that continues this week. But um, I thought those were the, the kind of main weaknesses. Quarterback play, weapons, there's no explosion in that offense. And then on the back end, the de- defense is good. The Down the middle, they're very good. Linebackers through to safeties. But outside yeah. corner, I think, is where you can exploit this team. If you yeah. have the people to exploit it, do we? Uh, oh, yeah, well, that's 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 the thing. Just can they can they execute? Um, also, fun fact: they're last in the league for field goal percentage. They're twelve of eighteen, and it was just perfectly capped off by that stonker from the soda from the thirty-five out. 
All right. Uh, for me, the way that the Chargers win this is really lock up um, this what the avenues this offense have uh, stop the run. We need impact play from the linebackers, strong play between the tackles for the defensive line. Um, they miss field goals. If the weather is crap in new England, then it could, you know, it could be a hard game to sort of push the ball. Uh, Herbert does, hasn't played too many games, you know, in the sort of coldish. We've got to make the most of the quarterbacks turnover worthy players. I think even if Malik Cunningham, a little bit of an unknown, he's sort of, from what I know, he's, you know, could be prone as a as a rookie to to let it loose and cough it up. So we've got to make the most of this and get that turnover record back heading upwards. And he's take very athletic. So the other two yeah. are statues, and he's your real dual threat style. So a very different type of quarterback. Yeah, could be interesting. Take advantage of JC Jackson. As I said, he's hot trash. Coverage has been poor, especially since Gonzalez uh, went out injured. So that's for me. What do you reckon, mate? How do we get it done? I think on offense, just be ready that they they blitz they they blitz the fourth most in the NFL, and you 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 know we've all seen how the Chargers struggle late in games to pick up exotic blitzes. So they'll come and they'll come frequently. This has got to be a game where you line up QJ on JC Jackson's side and throw some quick screens. Like yeah. we've done precious little of that. Let's get the ball into his hands. See if you can make JC Jackson miss for some yardage down the sideline. So I don't know. I think running the ball is going to be hard. It's going to be a tough slog. If you can eke your way to 24 points or something, I think it will definitely be enough. Even 20 points might do the trick. So just be prepared to play tough football. Quentin Johnson, it's going to be cold. It's going to be tough. They're going to make you earn your catches. Going to watch how you bounce back from last year because no doubt he'll be sore this week on his ribs. So it's a real kind of mind over matter game for the rookie. Other side of the ball, uh, I don't know if the Pats will have more than 20 pass attempts if they get their way. I just think they're going to run, run, run. And it's challenging to get past this offensive line because they do get the ball out quickly, as I said, with all of the screens. Mm. So no time at all for soft coverage shells. Last week it worked to play more press, and there's no reason with their lack of downfield threats why you wouldn't just say, go on, I dare you to throw it. We're going to operate all within 15, 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, all of our players, and then maybe you can get a turnover or two. Because the defense has not had turnovers at all the last yeah. kind of two or three weeks. And Absolutely, that, man. That's kind of what I'm going to be looking for. So um, what's your result prediction, mate? How, how do you see this one going with the Chargers at four and seven and the Patriots at two and nine? Well, actually, just to loop back, how I was saying that the offensive players are sort of progressing with the drops to fumbles. Maybe the defensive players are in, uh, like progressing as well with forced incompletions, more pass breakups. Let's start. Asante missed one on uh, against the Ravens, but let's start oh, yeah. hanging on to some of those interception opportunities and getting that done. It's been a long 15 years since the Chargers beat the Pats. Seven straight losses ends here. Bill can't do enough this time to stop Justin Herbert. Chargers win 21-14. Okay. One of our best friends, Milan, Milan Levy, Milan Stevens, he's a, he's a, Diehard Pat supporter. Don't know if he's watching it as much this year now that they suck as the, you know, they're fair weathered, the Australian Patriot supporters. But does he watch more this... than he listens to us? Well, it'll be hard to watch less. <laughs> but maybe he'll listen to this one now that we've given, given him a shout out. 
<laughs> but look, there is no team in the NFL that I've found more personally frustrating than the Patriots. Just through that entire dynasty, they were always a thorn in not just the Chargers side, but other teams in the AFC. It would be so fitting for Brandon Staley, who everyone listening knows I've generally been a big fan of, to come out in the most important, maybe the last game of his head coaching career, out to Foxborough. This is going. Bill. He won't even be smiling. He'll be sitting there with his hoodie and... Staley will be looking incense, you know, he'll have a chat at halftime, you know, after halftime, he'll come out of the tunnel, you know, we got to play football, better football, we got to play complimentary ball, we got to do turnovers. Speaking at a mile a minute, and Belichick will just say, this guy is chopped liver. And I just know it's going to happen. This stuff happens to me. This stuff happens to Chargers fans. The Patriots will win this game. The margin will be Patriots 20, Chargers 17. Dicker, who's usually bullets, will miss a field goal to take it into overtime from 41. And everyone will just be looking bereft of hope. And I won't work the next day. And that'll be it. It'll be the end of the Staley tenure. And it's going to end like this in New England. It's written uh, in the folklore. All right. There you go. It's a bit morose. Thanks, everyone, for hanging around with us tonight. I <laughs> uh, hope you're fucking wrong and uh, we get the wind, as do all of our fans. I hope I'm wrong, That's too. All Give me. us something. Give us something. That's all from me. That's all from Al. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bolt the fuck up. We'll see you next week on the Thunder Down Under Chargers podcast. See you later. Ciao.